it it really is that it's it's very fulfilling uh, and like I said it it really to me makes a difference knowing that every piece of my job is making a difference I want to be my current self from this point forward I want to learn how to play piano working with human beings drinking wine in the middle of the day I want to be a Driver. I'm going to be the next greatest painter. Just kind of work with kids, getting them ahead in life. I want to be a welder. I want to be a beach bum. I want to be a baseball player. Brewmaster. A winemaker. Professional snuggler. Let me mention those sweet, hot lavender baths and writing in the evening. What's up, everybody? This is Blake Fletcher, the Half Hour Intern. In today's episode, I interview Amanda Brock, who is one of two employees at a really incredible nonprofit here in San Francisco called Spark. So although she is one of only two employees, and that sounds really small, Spark has worldwide reach and is a pretty big, interesting nonprofit in the scope of the things that they do. And they have thousands of volunteers all over the world. Um, and they've got a board of directors and advisors and all these other kind of moving pieces. But because of the fact that it's a nonprofit, there's only two true employees and she is one of them. So she'll kind of explain that whole, um, the inner workings of a nonprofit and how it works differently than a usual company, which I knew nothing about that before. And she'll also explain what it was like moving from the private sector in a regular company to working for a nonprofit, if that was ever something you considered. Um, she talks a bit about that. And then at the end, she'll give advice for if you wanted to start your own nonprofit, if you had a, a passion or a hobby um, of your own that you wanted to try to raise money for, she will go over some recommendations for you. Without further ado, here is Nonprofit. Amanda, thanks so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. Yeah, well, I'm actually here in your office, so it's like you're having me. This is a beautiful space. I love it. Thank you. Yeah. So I think the first and best place to start is if you can tell us a little bit about the structure of a nonprofit, because it's something I don't know about at all. And when we were just talking during the pre-interview, you mentioned like, oh, well, sometimes we'll just have to like kick around our ideas between just the two of us staff. And you guys are a nonprofit that spans the entire globe. And yet you have two staff. Like, that's incredible to me. Like, what is the difference between uh, like a volunteer versus staff versus like a board member versus an advisor? And are those the four major roles? Yeah, I'd say those are basically the four major roles plus donors, uh, which are obviously necessary for a nonprofit. So, yes, we are a staff of two, and the work we do would definitely not be possible without our board and volunteers and members, which are kind of like volunteers, but give a uh, annual membership donation to okay. be a part of our network um, and advisors who are key leaders in the field, uh, thought leaders within the issues that we deal with, um, and those who are have might have been the founders of the organization and others who uh, we look to to you know help with any kind of thought leadership that we're looking to get into. How, like, how does this all, okay, let me take a step back. So you sure. mentioned the member network that people mm -hmm. will like pay uh, or like donate annually to be part of the member network. Are there any like benefits to being in the member, member network versus doing just like a one-off donation? Yes. So the way that Spark works, we're uh, 
an entry point for young professionals or millennials to be philanthropically inclined throughout their lives. So it to be a member of Spark, it starts at $75 a year, which is an annual donation. And there's other levels that are higher, uh, which include other benefits. But the base benefits for everyone that gives $75 and up is you get the privilege to vote on the organizations that we support. So Spark is kind of like a giving circle on steroids where anyone that gives that amount um, is kind of like a shareholder and can decide on Whoa, who we're giving the money to. That's so cool. How, it is really cool. That, yeah, that's super cool. So, all right. So we'll, we'll talk in a little bit more in a little bit later. We'll talk more in depth about what Spark does and what yeah. your guys' goal is. But so you guys are choosing businesses to, to give money to around the world. Other nonprofits. Small. Yeah. Okay. And uh, so if you are a member, you have a vote in, in like what businesses you guys are actually, or what nonprofits you guys Correct. are actually going to choose to give money to. Mm-hmm. Damn, that's so crazy. Yeah. Do they, is there like a, an amount of vote that you get? Like if, if I'm a member and I give $10,000 a year and somebody else is a member and they give $75 a year, do we have the same vote? You do. Yeah. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. So, you know, there's other, there's a leadership circle, the $10,000 level and access to private events and those kinds of things. But otherwise it's very uh, democratic in terms of the, the voting and the voting takes place at an investment committee, which we have once a month in San Francisco and New York, where our two chapters are. Uh, and anyone that shows up or gives us their vote before the meeting can have a say. And everyone gets two dots, <laughs> which are essentially used to leverage their vote. And usually we'll have three organizations that are at the docket at a time. And after the presentations of all the organizations, a member can put both their dots under one organization if they feel very strongly they can split it between two organizations they can completely abstain from voting if they don't want any of them to move forward and then majority rules damn that's awesome that's seriously so cool i in like you said that your goal is to to get millennials like involved with this that's such a a nice prospect for a young person that doesn't have a lot of money that like okay well i might not have a lot of money right now but i get the same sort of say as somebody that is maybe later in their life and has some money saved up and like one day that'll be me. Like one day I can increase my donation and still have the same voice and stuff like that. So tell us about your start. Like how did you get started in the nonprofit world? So you haven't always worked in the nonprofit world. No, I haven't. No, I started in advertising and account management at different advertising agencies. Uh, Out of college, I really liked the idea of mixing creativity with business and advertising was the perfect outlet for that. And I love managing relationships and it was a wonderful creative space to be in and I realized over time that what really drove me is having a bottom line of impact which you know can't be the case in the advertising industry and you know where the bottom line is how much revenue you can make in general Uh, so for me specifically I realized that making impact and having some kind of service-oriented profession was really important to me. So I started volunteering all over the Bay Area uh, with different, mainly women-led nonprofits, and which led me to Spark uh, as a volunteer and a member. So I started coming to the events because I realized how much I can learn with, about the social impact and nonprofit space and how incredible the people were and how 
socially aware they are. And this was all done in a very social and casual setting over wine and beer and pizza at all these events. And I had never been to anything like it. You know, after it's like kind of like going to a happy hour, except you get to talk about how you want to make the world a better place. And the first question isn't what you do for a living. So it was really refreshing. And then they just couldn't get rid of me. And there was a staff of one at the time, and uh, which I had, didn't know they were growing. And after inserting myself and getting really involved and hearing this opportunity to be program director was available, I applied. And three years later, here I am. That's really wonderful. And I can totally relate to that. Uh, I'm a, uh, a fairly... I don't know if cynical is the right word because that I feel like makes me sound like a little bit worse of a person than I am. But uh, so like I used to work in the in the medical device industry and in that industry, every company that I've ever worked for talks all the time about like all these good things that we're doing for humanity. Like this is the only reason why we're doing this is to to help people out, which is like absolutely true. It's like every day your products are being used to like literally save people's lives and like really help out. But all of the decision making in the company really has nothing to do with that thought process of like we are going to save lives right now. So it's like talking out of two sides, you know, like and it would be very weird as as an employee or like for me when I like overanalyze all this stuff way too much. And I would just be thinking, like, why are we really doing this and what's going on here? And like, I I feel like we're being a little bit disingenuous with like, are we really doing the right thing for people all the time? And if we're doing the right thing for people, then why does it cost so much? And I, I like I would just have so many questions racing through my head so I can like totally relate to where you were at in your marketing job and like wanting something that was more um, impactful and helping people out. Yeah, it's it really makes a difference for me. And, you know, with advertising, what I love most about advertising is the fact that you're telling stories about products and in nonprofit, it's really pretty much the same thing. But you're telling stories about the service you do and about the impact you're making on the world. So uh, and actually, I get to I just had the chance to work with my old advertising colleagues on a campaign that we're doing for Spark. So the world still overlap um, all the time. And it's really exciting to be able to bring uh, these creative geniuses on board to uh, do a campaign that is socially impactful, which they don't get to do all the time. So uh, it's nice to continue to to be in both worlds when I can. Yeah, totally. Man, that's so cool. That's so like perfect and apropos that you wanted to have a high level of impact in the company that you ended up finding. You're like the second employee. You're like one of two people. Like <laughs> that's the other thing that happens. Obviously, working for any sort of larger company is like you. It's hard to exactly like put put your finger on the pulse of like how much you're making happen versus like the company at large and like what exactly is happening here. I imagine with two full time employees, like you get to make a very real major tangible change in the company that you can see day to day yes and everything you do really makes a difference so uh before you came i was writing thank you cards handwriting thank you cards to donors uh because i know the importance of sharing our gratitude and and thanks for them supporting the work that we do so and now i'm on a radio show so the the amount of uh, different kinds of of tasks and um, parts of my job I get to do is keeps it f- 
fresh and exciting. Um, and every aspect of what I do is super important to the impact that we're trying to make in the world, which feels great. Yeah. And even if it's like a, a task like writing, thank you, not thank you notes. I know how important it is. So it doesn't bother me as much as not caring about the bottom line. Yeah, totally. So tell us more about being an employee versus I guess being one of the founders or the board members. Do they have other jobs on the side versus you guys are like just here in the trenches all day, every day? Yes. So all of our board members and, and in general, usually board members are volunteer volunteers of the organization uh, who are asked to be on the board for their different skill sets that they bring. Um, and there are a lot of different kinds of boards. There's a fiduciary board and an active board. And when an organization's just getting started, it might be a more informal board made up of family and friends who act more as advisors and support for the founder. Uh, so where Spark is right now, we have an active board. And it's actually quite a large board of 18 people. Wow. Uh, so, you know, that's with a staff of two and and an active board of 18 who all take on a different leadership position within the organization. So we have fundraising experts and financial experts and um, those who bring in experts about the issues that we're working on within human rights. So it's a very strategic uh, way of building a board um, and helps us reach a lot more people than we could with a staff of two. Um, and they also have to fundraise as well. So they have a minimum goal that each have to meet to, you know, help us meet our budget for the year and grow. And also what's, what's cool about Spark in the same way that we are a, an organization focused on building a pipeline of philanthropists starting, you know, with millennials, the, our board has 25 year olds on it. So it's a way for uh, young professionals to be able to receive a really incredible leadership opportunity at a young age. Yeah. That's helped them get into Stanford business school and other kinds of um, incredible opportunities. So let's talk more about Spark. So um, first give our listeners like an overview of what Spark is, what Spark does. And then if you could tell us why you chose Spark. Yeah, so Spark is currently the largest network of millennial philanthropists dedicated to advancing gender equality and women's rights. And we were founded 10 years ago with a group of seven women who were in their mid-20s and based in San Francisco Bay Area. And they, after a couple years in the workforce, uh, they wanted to start giving back to the causes they cared about, which were mainly women's organizations and women's rights. And they discovered collectively or independently and then collectively when they came together that if you couldn't give a year of service like the Peace Corps or if you didn't have a, um, you couldn't make a large donation, it was really hard to be involved in organizations. And so they came together one night over wine and pizza, which is still, like I said, how most of our big decisions are made. Yeah, the way to go. Yeah, to talk about their mutual frustration over trying to be involved in these organizations and that they really cared about. Like, we care just as much as anyone that can give a year of service or write a big check. Why, why are we excluded from 
giving back. It doesn't really make sense. And so they decided to fundraise on their own for an organization. It was a farming co-op that one of the co-founders had heard about in Rwanda. Uh, it was a woman-run farming co-op who needed a $5,000 investment to buy a cow and a fence. And it was after the genocide there, and they, they needed to start this co-op to revitalize the community. And so these women decided to raise the funds at what we still do call a co cocktails for a cause. And before crowdfunding was actually a term, I looked it up, it was started in uh, 2006, and this was like 2004, 2005, uh, decided to bring their friends together at a bar and were able to raise $5,000 one night with 500 people in the room. Awesome. Some old school crowdfunding. Old school crowdfunding. And this is before Facebook was a way to really mobilize a lot of people in your network. So it was all done through email and just uh, being really being able to really engage and activate a large number of people, the more old school technology way. Yeah. Uh, and and in the grassroots fashion that we still are, one of the co-founders was traveling to Rwanda and hand delivered the check to this organization. And the first mid-year report from this organization, the thank you was a picture of the cow saying thank you, she's still alive. That's so awesome. So the you know, the impact was really was really easy to see. Um everyone that was a part of this it contributed you know this twenty dollars or a hundred dollars to this to spark and then as the intermediary and to this organization could really see what the impact that their that their small donation had on this community in Rwanda yeah that this this they actually bought a cow and it was still alive and being able to help feed a community yeah that's wonderful and and since then we've grown into a network of over ten thousand. And we now have a chapter in New York, which is completely volunteer run. We have three board members out there who are all volunteers as well. Um, and that network is now around 1,500, specifically in the New York City metro area. And, and our grantees are all over the world. So what are the volunteers doing? So the way that we operate, we're very event and program heavy as a way to engage young professionals in our work. So, you know, studies have shown and we have seen through lots of 10 years of experience that the best way of engaging young people is to engage them offline, to have opportunities for people to get together, to have leadership opportunities, to really be involved in the organization, uh, which will then lead to donations and gifts. So throughout the year, we have over 60 events between San Francisco and New York, uh, where some are small and more leadership opportunities. Like we have the investment committee, which I mentioned, is where our grant making happens. And we talk about issues affecting women and best practices in global philanthropy and have different leadership opportunities for our network. For instance, one of my favorite opportunities is to be uh, a grantee advocate and they, we would tap a member to read the grant application and spend five minutes pitching the rooms, kind of like a sales pitch of why this organization should be Spark's next grantee. So that person is probably unfamiliar with, you know, they probably work in tech and are unfamiliar with grant making and are here to learn and be involved. And now they are able to really understand what a good grant application looks like. They're learning about what 
an incredible emerging woman leader is doing in Kenya, for instance, to help uh, girls stay in school by providing sanitary pads so they don't have to miss school once a month due to their period. Wow. And, and then you can also make the correlation between the root cause of the issue with you know, absenteeism in school leads to more women dropping out of school and you know which is a, a human right for for girls to stay in school and it's the sanitary pads that can help them get there what an incredible charity i never i never thought of yeah mifariji africa which is one of our grantees from 2015 uh and so and then they get the chance to speak for five minutes on behalf of this organization and we give them direct access to the organization and the leader so they can ask them questions and which is an opportunity that most people never had before to speak to a leader in Kenya through Skype and really understand the emotional um, emotional and beyond you know the words on paper of what they're doing and have a real feeling behind that work and be able to portray that back to a room of engage millennials in San Francisco and really bring it to life uh, which gets people super fired up and they're more and they're really excited after this opportunity which leads to more leadership opportunities and possibly being on the board and who knows it could be a raise at their job and feeling more empowered in general to tackle their own life yeah that's so cool um, and there's other committees so and then we have four cocktails for causes uh, quarterly so where we raise awareness and funds for the organizations that we support and then we have an annual gala the black and pink ball which is our biggest event of the year uh, which has been anywhere between 400 to 1500 people uh, which is our biggest fundraiser that's really big it that's... is very big and with a staff of two yeah we do I, we do a lot i know i just keep coming back to that in my head of like a staff of two and but we 1500 person events it's insane yeah but we do it because of the our supporters who give their time and money to the work that we're doing. So, you know, people, especially young people, are really looking for ways to to give their time, um, and they want to be involved and understand the impact before they write a check. So, we create the opportunities for them to be able to do that. Yeah, I can't imagine like what an unbelievably dynamic job you have. How. <laughs> uh, kind of like fulfilling that has to be and yeah it's just great yeah it, it really is that it's it's very fulfilling uh, and like i said it it really to me makes a difference knowing that every piece of my job um is making a difference yeah so how do you guys choose which charities are are even going to be put up like for vote um or uh, th that you guys would sponsor yeah so we have an open grant application that's on our website so anyone can apply and as another leadership opportunity we have a vetting committee uh, made up of about 10 members who will review all the organizations and make sure they meet our criteria and the main criteria uh, to be up for a spark grant is they have to be women run at least 50 percent women run uh, and they have to be at least 50 percent co-founded or founded by a woman and and helping women in their own underserved community so looking for and, and this is where the vetting can decide if if there's like a woman who came into 
a certain community to help that community if we would if we want to support them because they're not from the community if they still know the best solutions for that community and what they need uh, and then also having a small budget so a budget of under one hundred and fifty thousand dollars which is easier abroad than locally. So we support organizations in our local chapters in San Francisco and New York, and then internationally. And we want to be the spark, if you will. So we, what I've seen and what our members get really excited about are organizations that are really new, that have a very small budget, that haven't had much funding yet you know it's like funding from the founder or from some local partners but haven't really had institutional funding where we can really get in and with the support that we give which is social impact support of giving the time money attention and connection so we'll introduce them to other funders once they're a trusted partner of spark it's it's easier to say like hey this is a great organization you should check them out um, so we've had grantees who have gone on to win the Google Impact Challenge, like $250,000 awards. Wow. And grantees that are now over a million dollars in budget and bigger than us. So wow. it's really exciting. And, and we give grants of only up to $5,000 and we're crowdfunding throughout the year as we go. So you, we actually don't know how much we're gonna give until we close our books at the end of the year. Yeah, have you ever given to the same charity multiple times? Or is that kind of- We usually don't, although a lot of people would argue that it's best practice to give multiple times to the same organization. So there's sustainability that, you know, you can't, if you do give $5,000, you can do a project once, but, or, but especially in terms of staffing and other um, operational costs, it's, it's always best to give, if you can, multiple year funding to help sustain the organization yeah. more long-term. Um, we're not really in the place where we can do that. And, and we give such small amounts that it's more of that initial seed funding, if you will. Yeah. Why is it that you guys choose to only do women run? I, I can imagine, but I, like, I'd like to know in your words. Sure. So, well, it started off with the passions of the co-founders 10 years ago that they really cared about uplifting um, underserved women and advancing women's rights. And overall, it's been proven that when you when you help a woman and empower women, she will give back to her community more than men do. Totally. And that when women have access to economic opportunities and education, like GDP can rise exponentially. So there is a huge correlation in helping women and seeing more equality and a better economy globally. Yeah. Yeah, totally. It's better for humanity. Yeah, there's so much more of a trickle-down effect with yes. the money that you're giving yes. versus... Uh, it's the girl effect, as Nike once put it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. So let's try to help people out with some advice. So if somebody has something that they're really passionate about, um, that they want to start their own nonprofit or that they just want to start fundraising for it, like, what do you think some of the best practices are to uh, try to like help yourself stand out? Or what has made you guys grow in the way that you have um like you mentioned having like 1500 people together well first of all having 1500 volunteers in new york alone and then getting like 1500 people together for like one single event and stuff like that for a lot of people they're probably like dang i've got like 10 friends like i don't know how i could even you know where to even begin um like what's uh 
what's a good starting place for people? Well, I think a good starting place is having a frame of mind that's positive. So I think there's the there's a trend against being pessimistic and saying that help us because there's this many people in poverty and this is happening in the world, but it's more about because of our work, we can empower X number of women or we can change, you know, X number of lives. So I think it's really having the, the being a positive influence and being able to share that story um, in a way that could really excite and galvanize people to want to be a part of your organization yeah, um, and not feel depressed yeah, <laughs> because there's enough of that in the world. Yeah. Uh, so I think that's a good point. Starting point is to really have a story um, that could get people to feel connected to you and want to rally for your cause. Um, and I think that that's how you start sharing what you're doing and with funders and with your friends and it's saying I'm starting this because of X, Y, and Z and it, it's important to me because of X, Y, and Z and we've seen that when you, you know, support women, this happens and so, and your contribution of X dollars means that X can happen. So really having that connection between what the dollar amount means and how that has a tangible effect on people in the community. That's what people really care about. Yeah, that's interesting. And then what about um, just some other ways to like stand out from a crowd and stuff like that? Before we started the interview, we were talking about my local grocery store. Basically every day there's people outside from some sort of nonprofit or organization or whatever asking for money. And you said, well, to start, I wouldn't just ask people for money. Like I, right. I would try to get, I would try to get people involved. So talk about that a little bit in that advice. Yeah, especially if they don't know you um, and there is a lot of competition in the in the social impact space, I think the best way to get someone involved is to invite them to an event and have them see it for themselves. And then you're sharing the experience with them. And then when you ask them to give, you're inviting them to be a part of this community with you. And it's not a sales pitch necessarily. It's it's more of inviting them to care about a cause that a lot of other people care about and that you care about personally yeah. um, and join you. Yeah. So inviting them to have this experience with you exactly. rather than have them open up their pocketbook. But then when you do ask them to open up their pocketbook, you're, you have a shared experience with them already. Yeah. And uh, you can come from a place that's more, um, that seems more real and has a deeper connection. You've formed a relationship with this person and they know they know the work that you're doing versus that cold pitch in front of a grocery store. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, totally. Man, I always feel so bad for those people. I feel like that's just... No, that's a hard job. So hard, man, so hard. Um, so how can people get involved with Spark if people would like to uh, either donate their time or money or whatever it is? So, well, we have two events coming up. So I'm not sure when this is airing, but we have an event in San Francisco, our annual membership mixer, which is a way for anyone and everyone who's interested in Spark. So members are free. Everyone else is $20, or you can become a member for $75 and get in free. Is that cigar bar in the financial district. We should have about 150, 180 people that show up. And uh, it's a way to learn about the ways of getting involved this year and the different leadership opportunities. Uh, that we in volunteer opportunities that we have available 
and also a way to meet others in the Spark Network, including our board members and advisors and members and volunteers. And then our first investment committee of the year. When is that first event going to be? On January 20th, Wednesday. And then the second one is our investment committee, which is also open to everyone. And that includes wine and pizza. And that will be at Bridgespan Consulting on January 25th, the following Monday. Is that also in the Bay Area? It's also in the Bay Area in the financial district. So right off BART. And... That will be a more intimate setting for those who uh, want to have a more educational opportunity. So as our first committee of the year, we are bringing in one of our advisors, Pia Infante, who is a the co-executive director of the Whitman Institute and um, one of our supporters to talk about trust-based investment in philanthropy and nine principles they put together um, that she will share with our group to help get us into um, the mentality of what it means to be a impactful philanthropist wow. and have you know and and these principles that can really be applied to any kind of philanthropy. Is that going to be streamed online or anything? Uh, it can be. I think I can do that. Yeah, let's do it. Because yeah, I mean, there's a lot of people listening to this that aren't in the Bay Area, yeah. you know, so. Yeah, I just have to set it up, but it's in a conference room that's connected to the internet, so it's funny we can like make that how, happen. Yeah, like, it's funny how easy that is now. Like, you know, however long, it would be like, oh my God, like, did he really just ask me that? Like, what? But yeah, nowadays, it's like so easy to do anything, you know? Yeah, so we could do that. And so for people around the world, either way, um, they can visit, what is it, sparksf.org? That's right, sparksf.org. And most of our events are in San Francisco and New York, but we have ways for people to be engaged remotely if you know we could have a phone call and see what kind of opportunities are interesting to you um but you can be a part of our newsletter and follow us on facebook and we share news from our grantees and the incredible work they're doing around the world and relevant articles about philanthropy and social impact and uh great ways that gender equality is advancing around the world or some fallbacks and uh yeah we'll keep you we'll keep you up to date on what's going on if you want to stay involved uh in your own way remotely and if they have their own women-run charity as well then they uh is that where they would also submit to you guys yeah yes through our grantee our grantee page on our website awesome cool amanda thank you so much for your time we really appreciate it thank you for having me blake Hey everyone, it's Blake. Hope you all enjoyed the episode. If you're sitting there thinking to yourself, I wonder how I could help Blake out. First of all, you are probably the nicest person in the entire world. Secondly, all you have to do is just tell a friend about the show. I would really appreciate it. If you're sitting there and thinking, man, my job is really interesting, or man, I do this totally badass hobby. I should totally be on this show then you totally should be on the show. Just reach out to me on halfhourintern.com, my website. You can email me through there. And uh, if there is another job or hobby that you don't do, but you just want to hear about it, you can submit any sort of idea through the Submit Your Ideas link on the page. Thanks again for listening. Take care.